Welcome back to Outside the System. Today's episode is a conversation with my good friend Chris Cheney, the co-founder and CEO of FanCurve. FanCurve is a Web3 company that works with major sports teams to create digital collectibles in the form of NFTs. But before FanCurve, Chris started and ran the now-acquired company Infinite Esports and Entertainment, which gives him a ton of insight into the ongoing collision of gaming, sports, and gambling. There's a lot packed into this shorter-than-usual episode, so without further ado, let's get into it. Chris, thanks for joining me on Outside the System. Hey, Neil. Thanks so much for having me. So, obviously, you know, you and I could talk about probably dozens of different topics and we've worked together over the years. I think the best place to start is what you're working on now. So, Chris, you're the uh, co-founder and CEO of FanCurve. Maybe we can just introduce FanCurve a little bit before diving into a bunch of other things. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very happy to. And uh, this should be fun. So FanCurve uh, was started uh, last uh, last year, essentially last summer is when I had the initial idea for essentially building a company at the intersection of, of Web3 and blockchain technology and sports on the other side. And sports really meaning fandom, meaning passion, meaning tribalism uh, that we see all across the world. And Web3, partly in the context of technology and meaning leveraging the technology, we don't like to call ourselves a, a Web3 or NFT business as such. We're, we're a fandom company at the end of the day. That's what we do. We leverage Web3 and blockchain technology. So started thinking about that intersection last summer. And then over the coming months, started refining an idea that ultimately became FanCurve. And FanCurve is a licensed sports digital apparel and collectibles company. So what we do as FanCurve is we have a platform that offers to fans, and our initial focus is football, i.e. soccer, soccer fans, digital wearables, digital apparel. We are focused at the moment and at the outset on soccer jerseys, which are really cultural items. If you look at you know, the jersey, it, it, it means so much even more and beyond the game. You see skateboarders wearing soccer jerseys, celebrities, music artists. They're actually fashion items at this point. So we are selling digital or we're offering, we're providing fans with digital apparel and collectibles because we believe that within digital worlds and alongside these digital identities that people are building, and that are becoming increasingly important. At the same time, we want to show off and showcase who we are. Where are we from? What are we passionate about? What are we into? What tribe do we belong to? What community are we a part of? And you know, sports and soccer with three and a half billion fans all around the world, in soccer, one of the major ways of doing so is by wearing a jersey. And most of the time in the physical world, you can spot those from miles away. Oh, that's an FC Barcelona jersey. That's a you know Manchester United jersey. And people wear them to, quote unquote, show their colors, show this is my tribe. This is the community I'm a part of. And they do it all around the world. And so we want to give people an opportunity to showcase their passions, their fandom, show which tribe they are a part of and do so in the digital world. 
through digital wearables, digital apparel, which also are collectibles at the same time. And there's a huge jersey collector culture in the physical world that we think is also trickling over into the digital world. So that's what we're doing. We're taking your old school jersey that you might have in your, you know, in your closet or that you buy from your favorite club's fan shop and we're turning it digital in simple ways. And then you can put it on your avatar, you can put it on your character, you can dress up in-game characters, you can create a 3D locker uh, where you can showcase all your wares and customize it to your interests and and again to your passions. Um, that's what we're doing. We're ultimately creating digital experiences for uh, for fans. And so this probably because of the way sports rights work, I'm sure you have to work with teams directly to make this happen. So how has the reception been among you know teams on the business side? I'm, I'm sure on one hand, they view it as a new revenue opportunity, a new way to monetize an asset that they you know already have and are already monetizing in the physical world. Are you noticing you know certain trends in terms of uh, certain regions or clubs being more open to this kind of thing or is there some or are there pockets of resistance or you know what's kind of the feedback you typically get when you're when you're talking to a club so we started actively having conversations with um, primarily uh, football clubs to your point as well as individual players about 7 or so months ago call it half a year and during that time we've spoken with close to 300 clubs and players, mostly centered on Europe, but also in South America and a little bit even in Asia, but certainly mostly across Europe, across the leagues and uh, players that are playing in Europe. The reception has been resoundingly positive. It's actually been incredible. It's been beyond what we had expected. And a few things that we've noticed. One, the space of digital wearables within sports is brand new. It's brand new. And for most, in most of our conversations, there's also an educational component. What is it that you guys do? How does it work? And how can it provide value to our fans? And when we talk about the vision for Fan Curve and our story, and, and that includes our individual backgrounds as a team, people get really excited. They get really, really excited. And I think that there is a lot of belief that not just digital identities, but digital wearables, digital you know, apparel, digital merchandise will be a, you know, a key part of this, this, this future of fan engagement and fan interaction. I think there's a lot of belief among clubs and players and their representatives around that. So we're doing some evangelizing, if you'd like. But uh, um, with the hundreds of conversations that we've had at this point, they've been incredibly positive. Yes, some are seeing it purely as a revenue generator, which we do think is the wrong way to look at it. That is and can be part of your strategy, but it shouldn't be the sole strategy. In the same way that we're educating our potential partners, they also need to educate their respective audiences. That has to be the first step. Education, introducing them to this world of Web3, maybe dispelling some of the myths and maybe some of the you know, preconceived notions that people do have when they hear blockchain and they hear NFTs and Web3 and metaverse. It starts with education, and then it goes to building what essentially is a sub-community of their fans within Web3 
within this digital world, right? So you have your large fan community of potentially millions and millions, hundreds of millions of fans, and then you build a essentially a Web3 sub-community within that. And then you add value to that community as you're building it, and, and then you can certainly monetize it. But if you monetize or attempt to monetize first without the education, without the community building, without the value creation, there is a likelihood that you will fail. <laughs> it's like trying to and sell a vaporware product out. or something. You know, you can, you can uh, only do that for so long before you actually have to deliver. If you're selling a digital collectible for a community, then you better have the kind of community as part of the ethos behind it. This is an interesting offshoot. I, I didn't think we'd be getting into this part so early, but the interesting thing that's happened over the last couple months, right, is like, it's obviously we're no longer in this sort of uh, limitless bull market that we were in for a while. The thing that I've noticed projects focusing on more that are the most successful or that are you know seemingly going to weather the storm the best are the ones that are actually focused on why they're using Web3 and blockchain for what they're doing versus just the ones who sort of attach that as an adjective to help them you know, help That's them right. raise some money, right? And so I guess one of my questions then for, for fan curve is like, so part of the value that I would see for this being on being done via Web3 is the sort of ability to, to use your digital fashion products on in multiple ecosystems, right? So I could see you using it in part of like a, a game or maybe using it as so you directly own that digital asset versus it being part of you know, FIFA's ecosystem or something, just to use as an, as an example. Is that kind of the ethos and reason why you went with the Web3 backbone on this? A absolutely. And that's why I also prefaced when introducing FanCurve that for us, it's really just about leveraging the technology. When we're talking about NFTs, we're really only talking about NFTs in the context of a technology layer or a technology that we're using. I think fundamentally, fans don't care. <laughs> they don't care. I mean, I would say most consumers don't care. And that doesn't mean that they, you know, that it doesn't mean a negative sentiment. I think they just, they want to have fun. They want things to be accessible, easy to use, right? They want to have great experiences. What the technology behind it is, I think, totally irrelevant to most consumers. So for us, it's kind of the same. We obviously appreciate and value the technology. But we are leveraging the technology. And, and to your point as well, we are envisioning a world in which you have a digital wardrobe that uh, could include hundreds of items potentially. And those digital assets, um, those digital wearables, you can wear on your avatar, on your character across many different um many different games and um, um, you know, call them digital worlds. I, I'm reluctant to use the word metaverse, but call them digital worlds and experiences. And you dress, quote unquote, you dress up. And yes, there is some level of interoperability that is enabled through blockchain technology, some of which today is a little bit clunky because again, we're early days. But uh, yes, that's fundamentally the reason why we want to leverage this technology. So one, you own the asset, you can sell it, you can sell it on the open market, any of the, you know, you could sell it on our marketplace, you could sell it on another marketplace, ultimately it won't matter. So you have full control and you can take it with you, take the assets with you wherever you go, hopefully wherever you go, 
wear them, have fun, have a good time, and um, and sort of the sense of openness, of open ecosystem. Uh, that's ultimately what uh, what we uh, yeah what we believe in, and why we're looking to leverage the technology. Yeah. One thing that I know you have a lot of experience with, uh, which we haven't talked about yet on the episode, is gaming. And you and I have obviously talked a lot about sort of the intersection of gaming, Web3, you know, even more sports betting culture, sports, obviously, in general. There's a lot of cool projects out there that have been started, you know, over the past, call it, you know, year, year and a half at this the sort of web three and sports intersection what are what are some of the coolest ones in your opinion other than you know obviously your own what are some of the other ones that sort of catch your eye and and get your attention well there are some very ambitious projects (laughs) i will uh say that um and and but you have to have i think you can't be in in web three i mean you can but I'm, i'm making a statement here you can't be in web three without having ambition you know, like, I feel like this is the time and this is a space where you want to be ambitious, you want to be bold. And there's, I think, a, a lot of like-minded builders out there that are also ambitious and that are also bold. And, uh, and that is something, you know, I'm excited about. So as far as interesting projects that I'm seeing, so there's a very, very cool game. It's a game. They just changed the name. It was called Monkey Ball, but now it's called Monkey League. So it's a it's a Web three esports game. It's it's soccer as well, but it's essentially soccer with monkeys. And uh, if they just raised a, a significant round of funding, the uh, the visuals look really cool. They have a very strong team, and now I mean tremendous investors, uh, including one of my favorite investors in the space called Sixth Man Ventures. I think they're one of the sharpest investors within uh, Web3. And yes, they are investors of fan curves. So I'm totally biased, but Sixth Man Ventures uh, for, for, for the win. So Monkey League is one. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's, it's a soccer game. It's like a monkey-based <laughs> uh, Web3 soccer game. Uh, so that combines gaming, soccer, and uh, sports, and Web3. So you get all three in one place with that one so that's very cool they have their own token and uh, again i like the visuals great funding and i think really really well thought through you can create your own team you can build a stadium and host matches in them some of it of course part of the roadmap so that's one that i like a lot so there's monkey again used to be called monkey ball now it's called monkey league so i like that one then i think wagmi united is an interesting one Uh, wagmi united is essentially a you know, Web3 sports brand now acquired a, um, that now acquired a, a soccer team in England. It's Crawley Town FC, which is like, I don't know, fifth division or something of English football. So do have to put that into some context. It's a, a very low division football team. But their aspiration is to make it to the Premier League. Speaking of bold and ambitious, that is incredibly ambitious. But what but a cool project, it's, though, right? It, like, so the people yes. that bought into that one, right? It's you are essentially a co-owner of the team. I mean, that's what the right. Are they running it as a DAO? I'm not sure, technically speaking, if you are co-owner. But I think what you are is a decision maker if we want to make that distinction between an owner and a decision maker so if you own 
some of their NFTs, then you are able to make certain decisions. But I think fundamentally today in a legal context, they're not owners, but you are part of the decision-making process. I do believe that the goal is true ownership, distributed ownership, but there are some challenges around that. And, and again, it's like, you know, there's some, some, some obviously set structures in, in business and, and in sports, but I think that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean, neither of us are, are lawyers on this call, so it's all, you know, n- none of this is expert, <laughs> expert opinion here on the legal side, but I'm speaking purely as Correct. a fan of how cool of an experience that would be to just, you know, to be able to own a piece of a team. Because, you know, as um, sports teams are obviously not inexpensive, even fifth league ones, right, are, are probably uh, not cheap to for the average person to, to be an owner of. And so this kind of democratizes that ownership and gives people, people who are probably already passionate fans, I would imagine there's an interesting overlap actually between, this is a, actually maybe a question for, for them, but of their, their sort of buyer group of that NFT, I wonder how much was fans of the team who wanted ownership and fans or people who are just Web3 soccer fans who are just thinking, hey, this would be really cool. I personally, like, I'm not even a huge soccer fan and I would have been tempted to buy into that just for, just because it would be so cool to, own, you know, not even own, but have be a, a part decision maker of a professional team. It's an interesting question. So uh, the team itself is small. I hope I'm not offending anyone that is a fan, but they don't have a lot of fans. I mean, that's my meaning just in the grand scheme of things. Sure. Yeah, I don't they're not think Chelsea they have or a lot yeah. of fans. They're small. No, no, no. They're, they're a very small team. Again, it's like yeah. fifth, fifth, fourth tier or something. So I don't think that a lot of their current fans have bought into it. I also don't know in terms of the exact location, you know, is it like a more older audience that they have that's been going to matches for 30 or 40 or 100 years, I'm exaggerating. But so I don't think it's their current fan base primarily that's buying into this. But I think it's to your point, it's probably um, folks that are interested in sports and soccer, maybe specifically and web three love this idea of, of of ownership and then you know what you might you don't even really need to be into soccer just the idea or sports period just the idea of owning something cool like that right i think for some people it's also just like you know this is really cool like the idea of owning a sports team i don't like even i love sports but you know i don't even like sports and and here i get a chance to be part of a team and be part of like something really cool and novel. There's a novelty factor to that as well, right? But just in terms of fans, just so, so we can get a little bit of like level setting here, they have a thousand season ticket holders. One, okay, zero, yeah, zero, zero. Just yeah. to be, yeah, they have a thousand season ticket holders. One thousand. So yes, this is mostly, I think, folks in, in the Web3 space, some NFT DGENs and they have a fantastic group of investors. I mean, look at their list of investors and people that are behind it. Those are some really, really great people. So I think um, they're bringing in a new crowd. That's what the group's doing. They're bringing in a new crowd. You know, the interesting thing will be if this group of owners and sort of co-decision makers can boost the team's value over time by, you know, getting it more press and notoriety and you know, just because of by nature of, of having, let's say there's, I don't know how many NFT holders there are, but let's say there were a thousand and they're vocal, 
right? I wonder if that would, you know, in- improve the team's financial standing, which in turn would let them get better players, which in turn could improve their performance on the field, and then they might move up. It- it'll be interesting to see how it works out in, in real life. Yeah, there could be a bit of a flywheel. I mean, speaking of you know, sort of innovation within sports. Obviously, Wrexham was bought. This is a Welsh club that was bought by Ryan uh, Reynolds and a partner. And so that is, I think, to me, really an example of, I mean, again, this is a smaller uh, Welsh club, not not as small as Crawley Town, but this, you know, again, in the context of like a Chelsea or something. That club is receiving incredible attention now that uh, Ryan Reynolds has taken over. And well, one of the things he's doing is he's launching a, a docu-series called Welcome to Wrexham. And they already have distribution with uh, FX and, I don't know, FX on Hulu, Disney+. Plus. Um, so yeah, all of a sudden, people are interested in this little club called Wrexham association football club Wrexham AFC so yes that attention can then bring in more revenues and then more revenues you can spend on players then yeah maybe you'll find your way moving up so it's possible but you know sports is hard sports is sports hard is yeah. hard sports is hard yeah. yeah and especially you know ownership and decision making I mean the example that everyone always points to but I'm gonna bring it up again uh, I feel like I bring this up like once a week to people <laughs> is uh, Michael Jordan being, you know, not the, the greatest player, but not the greatest team owner, but far from it, you know, because it's hard. It's not the same as being a player. And it's its own thing. Basically, it's its own skill set. It really is. And, and for most, I'd say most sports team owners, unlike a player or even unlike i mean as a startup you you already have a long time horizon right you always you already have to think in years but as a sports team owner you might have to think in in a decade or more right you know you buy a team and you're gradually turning it around think about the golden state warriors and when steph curry came to the team he was drafted in 2019 Uh, Sorry, 2009, apologies, 2009. That's now 13 years ago. Before Steph Curry, for the most part, the the Golden State Warriors were absolutely irrelevant in the NBA. Now, five years later, all of a sudden, the Warriors are an incredible team. They win championships. Fast forward another five years and, you know, new arena and everything. And so before you know it, 13 years later, which is a very long time, the team's now worth uh, approaching $5 billion. But if you don't have that kind of mindset, and, and it's, you, I think you have to have it in sports, where you're thinking in 10-year even increments, it's hard. Like You have to have a long, long breath in sports. Yeah, and that's actually an uh, interesting dichotomy with how I think a lot of people, not everybody, of course, this is like uh, definitely a stereotype, but a lot of, call it like the opportunistic Web3 group that kind of came in in the past year or so not so much like there are definitely people building you know longer term visions and things like that but there were a lot of the participants not talking about the builders talking about the people who were buying the nfts or buying tokens and that is an interesting dichotomy with how this long-term vision you need in sports versus a lot of the sort of short-term focus on flipping and profits and things like that 
because you have these liquid assets, you know, whether it's an NFT or a token that, you know, you could, let's say in a short period of time, make quite a bit of money if somebody wanted to when it was a bull market. Um, and you could even today in these, you know, ups and downs, volatility allows for, for the profit taking. But it's interesting that, you know, in sports, the long-term view really is what, uh, you know, what prevails um, if somebody has that long-term vision. Yeah. And I think you have to also, because, you know, if you look at sports, most people are are fans of something or support something for pretty much their whole lives, right? It's I don't know how often sports fans, you know, significantly change their allegiances. They might add new teams to their mix, but uh, it's kind of a lifetime fandom in many it ways, is. lifetime I mean, passion. And, it, and you're born into it. Oftentimes you are. And so I think in that same way, when you're building in sports, you have to be appreciative and respectful of this lifetime fandom that many people have. And that's why I think you need to also have a long-term view. If it's an app, like some random app, I might use it and a better app comes around and I'll use that. You know, I've oh, you love Gmail and I don't know, it's another mail app or Google Maps, Apple Maps, like, I don't know, silly examples. But but you're not going to, if you're a, a Cavs fan, you're not going to like one year be a Cavs fan, next year you're Warriors and then you jump to the Knicks and then like you'll be a Cavs fan most likely for your whole life. And so if something is related to the Cavs, that could be a part of you for, for, for many years. And that's why I think you need to have a long-term building mindset within sports and, and Web3. Have you seen, like, how do projects incentivize for this? Have you seen interesting incentives for whether it's like, you know, staking the NFT? Like, I've seen some projects doing that recently um, to just sort of incentivize the long-term view. Because one of the, so the flip side to democratization, right? Like, this is kind of the, the, the mirror side of, of, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde sort of way of thinking about it. The good side is anyone can buy an NFT or buy a token and participate. The downside is anybody can buy the NFT and token and participate, right? And so you're not really gatekeeping for the people who have, let's say, an already have a fan affiliation with the team or have that long-term view. It's like anybody can do this, whether they're a short-term profiteer or they're thinking long term, it doesn't, you know, there's no way to gatekeep for that. So I've seen in other spaces, I haven't looked at this so much in sort of the sports and Web3 intersection, but I've seen in other sort of categories within Web3 projects, especially now trying to incentivize longer term holding. Are there things that, you know, you've seen people do to like, not necessarily gatekeep, but to maybe attract the longer term view versus the, the sort of short term? I'm not sure if I could point to uh, to anyone in, in particular within sports doing it. But I think what's perhaps most interesting, given that the time that we're in now is that I, I think there's a, the realization that you, you know, you have to still educate hundreds of millions or potentially billions of sports fans around just Web3 period. Absolutely. And again, as I mentioned earlier, dispel some of these myths and get people comfortable with what is Web3 and how does it work in the most basic form and, and NFTs and blockchain. So I think we're kind of, because there was, you know, a lot of hype and, and FOMO and, and a lot of people, you know, aping into projects of all, projects of all flavors, I think you're sort of, in sports at least, I think your average, many of your average sports fans 
kind of, you know, felt left out or were left out, where it was just really difficult for them to get comfortable with the space and, and what it means and why they should be participating. So I think now is a good opportunity to almost level set a little bit and just look at it from the perspective of, okay, some of the hype and FOMO is out, but what's still there is many hundreds of millions, if not billions of sports fans that I think would be would be interested in and open to doing stuff within the space. But, you know, it has to start with some level of education and getting them comfortable and, you know, with Web3 and NFTs and blockchain and even crypto versus just like putting it in their face in almost like an aggressive way, you yep. know, like. I think that it needs to be a bit more, um, a bit more tactful, a bit more authentic, if you'd want to use that. But that's, I think, where then you'll get people that are invested long term. If you look at, sorry, one more note. If you look at NBA Top Shot, and you know, NBA Top Shot has like had a crazy spike in terms of number of users. It was incredible. I think they got to maybe. I don't know, 200,000 buyers or something. I was looking at the looking at the numbers um a few weeks back and and now the numbers had dropped to don't quote me but maybe like 20 or 30,000. Well, those are your real sports fans now, you know? Like those are your real fans that actually stuck around. So you have a lot of people that have been just essentially churned and now you have, I think, a lot of the real fans that stick around. And for those, I think you super serve them. I think you really lean into them and, and listening to them and offering them as much value as you can. That's where I think it gets really exciting. I think projects now are a lot thinking about the long term. And I think they're leaning into the, the folks that are also just sticking around, you know. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting uh, filter moving forward, right? I think it's like, in some ways, you're right, there was this short-term sort of pop, but in some ways, the deflation of that bubble, if you want to call it that, or you want to call it like just a bear market, in some ways incentivizes the participation of the true believers, like people who actually are involved in it. Chris, just a couple things too, before we wrap up, one very tactical question this applies to fan curve so feel free to answer it from a fan curve perspective or just in a more broad sort of ecosystem perspective if you think about like distribution models right for let's say for fan curve even are you relying on reaching consumers directly yourself are teams marketing these digital assets are like basically you know these teams already have massive audiences of course and this came up actually in a prior episode, this sort of like working with partners to reach a broader audience or reach their audience. You know, are you seeing a lot of that at FanCurve where your team partners, your club partners are pushing this to their audience? Or is it, hey, we'll let you use the rights to these assets and we have some kind of agreement with you, but you're responsible for, for all the marketing. Like we're not pushing this to our audience. So just kind of curious both for fan curve and then what you see in the ecosystem as well, like our teams sort of getting behind behind this and pushing it to their audience as well. Because to your point on adoption, that is one of the things which I think would maybe take like the, or bring in the, the more actual sort of believers rather than the Web3 enthusiasts only, because the teams are reaching all sorts of people, right? And if it's, you know, let's say, I, I mean, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, was born into it. Let's say I knew nothing about Web3, but the team started posting about 
you know, the option to get a, you know, one of 500 sort of digital Aaron Rodgers jerseys or something like that. I would click on it at least and be like, oh, what is this? Like, this is interesting. Even if I knew nothing about Web3, right? And so I guess my, that's my question is like, how much of this is teams pushing it versus you having to push it yourself? So in, in all of the uh, partnerships that we've uh, formed, their support is a fundamental and key part to what we're doing. So we really want to lean into their existing communities. Um, and, uh, and so that, that support is, is really instrumental. Can you do Google ads and Facebook ads and Instagram and stuff like that? Sure, I guess you can. But I think there's nothing ultimately stronger than working with partners that have existing audiences that, that you can tap into. And that partners that will speak very genuinely, authentically about their excitement in working with you and, and where they see the future going. That's the most powerful engagement user acquisition tool in working with really highly aligned partners that share your vision, our vision for the space. That's how I think you become successful. So yes, that is a key fundamental part of all of our partnerships. Yeah, makes makes complete sense. So where can, if someone listened to this and was really interested in FanCurve or wanted to hear more from you, what, what are some good good places to do that? I'm sure there's a website, there's probably a Discord, which I, uh, I'm sure people can participate in. Sure, yeah. I think the best uh, and easiest starting point is to go to, uh, go to FanCurve.com and uh, browse around, check it out. All of our links to uh, socials, including Discord, uh, are on there. So I think that's the easiest and best starting point. One, by the way, one note on Discord is that traditional sports fans are not on Discord. By and large, they are not on Discord. I think sometimes, you know, and that's what I mentioned earlier about onboarding and getting, you know, traditional sports fans into this space. You know, you have to also meet people where they are. And yes, you know, Web3, you know, Discord is like, oh yeah, everyone uses it, but sometimes the audience that you really want isn't there, you know? You have to find them where they already are, and then maybe you introduce them to Discord if there's any value in doing so. You can't just assume, let's throw out a Discord link and you'll have sports fans joining. Like, it doesn't work, you know? Like, they don't know what Discord is. Yeah, for the most part, they have no idea what Discord is, and they probably don't want to use it because they don't see any value in it. So meet them where they are first. And then, yes, you can introduce them, assuming it adds value to them, to other tools such as Discord. But, uh, you know, find them on Instagram, find them on TikTok, find them on Twitter, engage with them on, you know, other platforms and then and then go from there. Yeah, go where they are, go where they want to engage. And yeah, slowly, if they want to engage more with your universe, they can they can. They don't have to because you're also on all these other places. Exactly. Cool. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. This was awesome. I know we could probably talk for like another hour if we want about these. And maybe maybe we do a part two in a few months because I'm sure these things change very quickly uh, in the ecosystem. So I'm sure there'll be some really cool new developments for us to talk about on the intersection of sports and Web3. Absolutely. And uh, thanks again for, for having me, Neil. This was fun. And um, yeah, let's do it again. Thanks again, Chris.